Broadcasting live from the Treasure Island Sports Club, it's In the Huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, presented by Tequila Embajador. I want to thank you very much for making my day in the sun so memorable. Well, um, you know, I think we're kind of a work in progress there. We're seeing some really good signs. Um, yet there's some mistakes being made out there. So I think that's always an area of improvement for us, but it seems like they're understanding concepts better. Some of the things that we're teaching them, uh, the players are picking up and they're teaching us too some of the ways they see it. So it's, it's good dialogue between both groups, but uh, you know, we're, we're still not a finished product by any means, but it looks like football for the most part many times. It looks like football for the most part. Uh, I think I know what Gus Bradley was trying to say uh, when he said that. Obviously, it looks like football. It's football. Uh, and the Raiders are 3-0. But a nice reminder that by no means is anything perfect in spite of a quote-unquote perfect start winning three games uh, to start the season. I wrote about it today. Uh, by the way, you're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador, Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m. on a Friday. I'm live at the Treasure Island, the Golden Circle Sportsbook here at the TI. Uh, so if you're nearby, come on by and join us. It's always a great atmosphere. Uh, great food, great drinks. Uh, it's getting crowded here today, by the way. Uh, a lot of sports uh, on, uh, on the television. We've got some college football. I was just watching the Milwaukee Bucks play the uh, Brooklyn Nets, and I was like, wait a minute. There's a lot of people there for a preseason game. It's not a preseason game. It was a replay uh, of last year's playoffs. So, um, But great to see the NBA coming back into the swing of things. Uh, but anyway, you know, talking to Gus Bradley today and pointing out, um, you know, by no means is this a finished product. By no means is this a flawless team. Uh, you take the 3-0, and obviously, and it's always great to win while you're getting better and while you're learning. Uh, but as I was crunching some numbers today, um, there's some areas that the Red that, that the Raiders really need to get tightened up and get smoothed out, and um, to create a, a better situation for themselves, and, and to create a situation that would mean sustainability for this three and zero start. Um, I look at things like where they are in the red zone. They're worse this year compared to the way, where they were last year in terms of percentage. They scored uh, 54% of the time last year on their trips to the uh, red zone touchdowns. We're talking strictly touchdowns here, which was 23rd in the NFL. They're 21st this year, but the percentage dropped by a number, uh, so by one number. So they're at 53 and change scoring touchdowns uh, in, in the red zone. Uh, I think giving up fourth down plays like they did against the Miami Dolphins, being able to be more uh, efficient, more settled down, better communication in scramble situations. They got burnt a couple of times against the Dolphins uh, when it was, you know, the Dolphins, it was a frenzied situation. Uh, the, you know, the Dolphins are in a hurry-up offense or in a fourth down. The Raiders are kind of scrambling on their end of it, uh, and they give up a 20-yard pass. They give up uh, a, a fourth down touchdown run to Jacoby Brissett. Uh, they give up a fourth and 10 on a 15-yard uh, completion early in the drive that the Dolphins, you know, went and scored that touchdown on to tie the game. So um, there's there's areas where they need to improve. Andre James, the center, needs to get better. Uh, Alex Leatherwood, the rookie right tackle, needs to get better. They need to run the ball more efficiently. They're averaging 91 yards per game uh, running the ball, which is way down uh, in terms of, you know, uh, the, the rest of the league. They need to get better there. They need to start games quicker. Uh, you can't fall behind 14 to nothing 
in two of your first three games. Yes, they survived it. Yes, they have enough talent, and that's the great news about all this. They have enough talent. They have a great quarterback playing on top of his game right now that's able to kind of settle things down and, and, and save the day and play really high-efficient football uh, late in games, which is exactly what Derek Carr is doing. They've got a defense that, in spite of the big plays that they've given up on fourth down, they've been excellent on third downs. They're sixth in the league uh, in turning teams away on third downs, uh, giving up, I think it's 33% uh, of, of uh, when the opponent lines up on a third down. It's only 33% that, that they're converting that to first downs. Last year, it was nearly 50% that the uh, uh, that, uh, opposition was converting third downs. It was third worst in the NFL. This year, they're sixth best in the NFL in that regard. So there's a lot of good, obviously, uh, but I think that it's a situation where the Raiders know they can get better. The Raiders should be able to get better. We talked about this with Lincoln yesterday. The answers are, are in the locker room. It's not like last year when the Raiders couldn't develop a consistent pass rush and you're just looking at the roster going, well, where is it going to come from? It's just not here. They're going to have to wait until next year, the 2021 offseason, to address that and uh, to improve their secondary. The answers were not in the locker room last year for the Raiders. They are in the locker room this year. And I think that if they can get a little bit better in terms of the efficiency uh, in the red zone, stop with the turnovers, a snap over the head of the quarterback, a pick six, penalties uh, that, have, that have hurt them in the red zone or when they're closing in on the red zone, little things like that are coachable, are solvable, are fixable. Uh, it's not a talent issue whatsoever. It's just kind of cleaning things up just a little bit more. Uh, and if so, the Raiders turn from a really good team to a very, very good team and a powerful team. Uh, so we'll see Monday night against the Chargers if they can get off to a better start, if they can be better in some of those crunch time situations defensively, uh, in scramble situations, holding down the fort, being connected, communicating uh, better with each other in order to make stops when they got to get the team off the field uh, and get the ball back to their offense. We're going to go out to the Raider Nation listener line. Silver Fury is on the line. How you doing, Silver Fury? How's it going, Vinny? How you doing? Doing really good. How are you? I am excellent. I'm um, Santa Rosa, California. Hey, um, so I don't, I don't call in. I, I got to You know, I had to think of some creative name because it seems like everyone else calls in out something. Right. So, <laughs> but um, I, I've been waiting to call in, and I, I just, I, I got a chance today, and um, I'll, I'll just put it out there. Um, you know, the whole <clears throat> game analysis, but like you were talking about with the secondary, and. It's been brought up, but you can go back and forth. I think this game is going to be pretty even, I mean, as far as matchups. But the secondary, I think when it comes down to it, you look at the depth, you know, for once with this team, the depth of our of our secondary, I think when you spread them out and you got, you know, you have depth of the Nate Hobbs and the Arnett and, you know, versus, you know, the, uh, the, uh, the depth of the Chargers, I think when you spread them out, I think that's, to me, that's where the difference in this game is going to be is how well do the Chargers' secondary depth keep up with the red throws you know can they keep up with the edwards and and, and that in, in itself is going to be something that i think decides this game and then the other point too is the kicking game which you know that i've been to enough of these games i've seen ticket all from 95 all the way through with the day they left and every time we play the charge it always comes down to a field goal i don't care what <laughs> the record is of either team it's always a field goal and this field goal cooker they got 
I mean, I'll put up Carlson against this guy any day, and I think that could be the difference in this game. This guy would be a 50-yard boot to walk off. Yeah, uh, I think the Raiders certainly have an edge uh, in the kicking uh, department. And uh, I'll, I'll share a funny story, when the, when the, and it relates to the Chargers. Uh, a few years ago, 2017, when the Chargers first showed up in Los Angeles, I remember they played Monday night um, against the Denver Broncos to open their first season in Los Angeles. It's at Mile High Stadium. Uh, and before the game, I went up to uh, the owner, Dean Spanos's, uh box, to talk to him about, you know, where things were and his thoughts about the season and everything like that. And um, he tells me, literally tells me, you know, I think we've got a pretty good team. He goes, as long as this kicker doesn't give me a heart attack, I think we're going to be all right. Well, in that game, I think he missed two, <laughs> two field goals, including the potential game winner, which was a very makeable field goal. And I just remembered him saying that, the owner of the team saying, if we can get the kicking thing squared away, we should be all right if this guy doesn't give me a heart attack. And sure enough, uh, it was the, the kicking was the reason why they didn't win that game. And, again, uh, they've had some trouble this year kicking the ball. I don't know what it is. It just seems to be kind of a knack, a bad knack uh, for the Chargers because they just can't get it squared away. And if you're the Raiders, that's an edge because Daniel Carlson – I know he missed an extra point uh, Sunday against the Miami Dolphins. It turned out to be a big miss. Uh, but he's usually a guy that moves on quickly from whatever mistakes he might have. Not everyone's perfect. We just understand that, and that's just the way it is. Uh, but, but I expect him to bounce back uh, in this game. And if it does come down to a kicking game, certainly the Raiders have an advantage there. Uh, appreciate the call, Silver Fury. Don't be a stranger. Give us a call whenever you get a chance. So I appreciate it. Uh, back out to the Raider Nation listener line. Raider Hutch 614 is on the on the line. How you doing, Raider Hutch? Hey, this is Raider Hutch from Columbus. Hey, Vinny, I'm just going to say I uh, appreciate listening to you and having a full-time radio. I'm, I get to listen to you while I'm at work. It's pretty, pretty awesome because I have my accountant, so I get to listen to you while I'm doing work. So I appreciate what do it. you think of the Raiders' defense? I mean... We went from last year being 30th, and now we're ranked, ranked at life 15th. And, Devon, I want to say I appreciate you and Q, your banter back and forth. And, Vinny, so I was going to tell you, I was in Italy for three years. <laughs> I was in Naples, actually. And I got to go to the Sorrentino's Mopri course, Mopri Coast. Do you know that... Um, you know what the nickname for Naples was? What was it? <laughs> armpit, armpit of Europe. Oh, man. You know, well, I completely disagree, but, yeah, I, I hear you. It's, it's definitely got an old, new kind of feel to it, but uh, I loved it. I loved Naples, and I loved, so obviously, I, I loved. So Naples was nice, but the Sorrenti Mafia Coast was beautiful. Gorgeous. Island the Capri was beautiful. Yep. It was awesome. I was so glad to hear that you got to go there. But I just wanted to say I appreciate you guys um, talking about the Raiders because it, all the you know national networks, they just dog out the Raiders continually. So what are your thoughts are going to be on this, this San Diego game? I think that the Raiders can do good, but it's going to be a rough game. They have to go out and execute and be mistake-free. Yeah, um, no doubt. Uh, this, they, they definitely need to be, play clean football. This is a good team that they're going to play against. I think there's uh, a, definitely a path to victory. And what I do 
what what's catching my eye is that the the Chargers are bad against the run. Uh, they're the worst team in the NFL uh, in terms of stopping the run. They're giving up 170 yards per game uh, on the ground. That's second. That's that's uh, the only team, or or, or they're last, and, and second to last is the Kansas City Chiefs. So if you're a Raider fan, you love to see that uh, one team. Uh, divisional foe has given up 170, and the other is a buck 60. So you love to see that if you're a Raider fan. And I think that the Raiders, I, I, I believe Josh Jacobs is going to play in this football game. And I think there's going to be an intent to exploit uh, an area that the Chargers are a little bit deficient at. Uh, and I think that there's an objective to get that run game going in order to really uh, elevate um, and, and, and accelerate the pass game. I think they're going to be able, that's what John Gruden likes to do. And, and once they can create that kind of balance, uh, and keep the Chargers a little bit off off balance, uh, I think that they're going to be able to move the ball against this defense. So the trick is, you know, stopping a, a powerful Chargers offense that has multiple weapons and a great quarterback. But when you ask about the defense, I like where this defense is. They're getting up the 15th most points in the NFL. That's totally acceptable given where the Raiders have been the last couple of years. And on top of that, I think they're going to get better uh, in that regard. Uh, I like what they're doing on third downs. Only 33% of the time, sixth best in the NFL, uh, that teams are converting third downs. That's something that you like to see. They're getting pressure on the quarterback. Uh, they've got three defensive ends that are you know, ranked in the top 12, uh, according to Pro Football Focus. Three defensive backs, cornerbacks, that are within the top 20, 21, uh, according to Pro Football Focus. And in both of those categories, two players, both on defensive end and, and at cornerback, are ranked in the top 10. Tell me any time outside of Khalil Mack uh, when the last time the Raiders had multiple, they've got six defensive players right now. Six, five of them are starters, and Carl Nassib is a guy that comes off the bench. But six players on their defense right now are ranked in the top 21 at their position group. Four are in the top 10. I don't remember the last time that's happened for the Raiders. And if I go back and look at linebacker and see where Denzel Perryman is, is ranked, uh, he might uh, be be uh, you know f uh, highly regarded as well. So that's you like to see that. It hasn't been the case, and and you're seeing what the the importance of having great players, really good players, at all three levels of the defense, and how that's helped this defense surrender the 15th most points in the NFL, which is more than acceptable. Back out to the Raider Nation li listener line, uh, Domenico from Southern California is on the line. How you doing, buddy? Vinny, how you doing, man? Listen. I'm super pumped up. I'm going to be there on Monday. I'm hearing there's going to be a rolling blackout in L.A. County <laughs> on Monday evening. Remember so those I'm days? Pumped up about it. <laughs> I'm telling you. So listen, I, I got to give you props first of all because I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I'm old school, so I don't have a Twitter account, but I peek on there pretty much you and Paul to see what's happening with the latest and greatest. And I, I have to give you props for putting up with some very knuckleheaded tweets from time to time. <laughs> Today, I think you hit it on the head as far as people need to stop looking at. You know, 2002, they need to stop looking at 2016, 2018. It's 2021. you got to look at the positive progression, which there has been some. You just touched on it. The defense, that third down, uh, third down stat you gave is a really solid one because that, that's what jumps out to me and sticks out the most about this defense is getting off the field. Getting off the field, that, the biggest difference between Sunday's game being uh, a, a, a huge defensive victory was really – you know, Mad Max got a little overzealous and on, on, on wanting to get his uh, quarterback hit in and uh, extended that drive, made it look like it was a little bit more 
than it needed to be, but really it was a pretty impressive, solid defensive showing from that crew coming from 14 to nothing to blanking basically. So, you know, everybody needs to be patient and understand that this is a process, but it's looking very solid. This is a golden opportunity on Monday for sure. It's a really good litmus test against a really good team. So it's going to be legit. Um, tell your guys to leave me on. I just want to just give you a little segue onto that. Give me not really a question. Just wanted to give you props and put that out there and tell your boys to leave me on so I can listen a little bit. I'm not streaming it right now, so I'm on the line. Okay, uh, and I appreciate the call, uh, Domenico, from Southern California. Um, look forward to seeing you over at SoFi Stadium. And, and, and yeah, I, you know, I, I tweeted today about how, you know, covering the Raiders now for two years, it's just astonishing to me how many people are always looking back comparing this to what happened in 2016 or 2018 or Derek Carr in 2015 was he threw the ball down the field but who cares it doesn't matter this is a different version of the Raiders what's going on that right now has nothing zero no bearing on what happened in in years past it just doesn't start turning the page and looking ahead. I covered a horrible Ram team in 2016. They hadn't had a winning season in like 15, 16 years up until that point. The next year, they go 11-5 and five and win their division. Nobody was ever talking about, well, what happened in 2017? What happened about what about 2014 when, when this guy? Wait, nobody It doesn't matter. It's a different Raider team. Look at the roster. Look what Derek Carr is doing. Look at the talent that he has around him now. Look at that defense. There's all kinds of different names. It's been ongoing. The roster purge and the roster rebuild. Nothing that happened in 2016 or 2017 has any bearing on what's going on right now. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor and Lincoln Kennedy. Just Vinny Bonsignor today. Uh, at, uh, brought to you by Tequila Embajador. I am live at the Treasure Island at the Golden Circle Sportsbook. So if you're nearby, come on by. Lots of sports on the television. A great scene here. Lots of people. Great food. Great drinks. The sportsbook is here uh, if that's your thing. So uh, come on by. Hang with us. Have some fun. And on the other side, we will continue to dig in to this huge Raiders-Chargers game on Monday night in Los Angeles. Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Yeah, he's playing with a lot of confidence right now. He's, um, you know, versus the run and the pass. His leadership skills that he's always possessed are really showing up. Uh, the players are responding to him in critical times. Uh, you know, he has a sense of poise about him. He gets us lined up and ready to go. So... Yeah, he's, uh, you know, I think his banked experiences in the, in the uh, defense has been good. So all that combination, and he's a very good player. I mean, he's blessed with some God-given talent, and he's utilizing it. So yeah, we're, we're very pleased with how, how far he's come along. Man, when you talk about uh, some of the moves that the Raiders made right at the end of training camp, just before the start of the season, um, you know, to really get this defense – turned around or helped turn around you when you talk about a Denzel Perryman what he's done at linebacker this is a guy that Mike Mayock traded for uh with what a, a week left in training camp I don't even think that I think it was past training camp or it was right in that little cusp right there uh right after Nicholas Morrow and Javin White get hurt um you know and then everyone's like wow what are they going to do at linebacker it was an area that uh people were concerned about coming into the season because when you thought about Morrow and Kwiatkowski and Corey Littleton behind those three players, there was zero 
zero experience. Remember Tanner Muse hadn't played a game last year. Uh, Javin White had played like 15 non-special uh, team snaps uh, last year. Divine Diablo was a rookie, so there was no experience behind the three starters, and all of a sudden Morrow goes down, and what are you going to do? And the next thing you do, you look up, and the Raiders have K.J. Wright and Denzel Perryman, uh, and both players are playing great. I know uh, uh, K.J. didn't play a whole lot on Sunday against the Miami Dolphins, but that was more situational and schematic and matchup-based. Uh, Talking to uh, Gus Bradley about it today, uh, he's been playing well when he's out there, and I would expect when the matchups are favorable, he's going to be out there uh, more um, than he was, obviously, against the Miami Dolphins. But Denzel Perryman, to do what he's done um, immediately upon showing up, you just can't account for that, and you can't put a price tag on it. And a lot of credit to Mike Mayock for pulling the trigger and not hesitating and not waiting uh, and not saying, well, let's give it a shot. No, he acted proactively and brought in a linebacker that's literally been a difference maker. Back out to the Raider Nation listener line. I uh, want to go out to uh, IE Raider. How you doing, IE Raider? Hey, good talking to you on this Raider Friday. This is a great topic. Hey, I wanted to talk some defense to you, Vinny. Yeah, absolutely. So, let's do it. So, so, you know, the, the, the whole theme of, you know, the, the Chargers right now that they can't stop the pass or they can't stop the run. So they're kind of porous on defense. I'm starting to think that that might be a little bit of their design philosophy because right now they are seventh ranked against the pass. Yep. So, yep. you know, on one side you flip it, look at the Raiders' defense right now. They're 14th against the pass. So we're kind of, you know, getting the middle scheme. So they really aren't so weak. at that. I think they're just – daring you to run because they're keeping everything underneath. So it might be a lot of little forcing that dink in the dunk and kind of what, what Miami did. They forced that short under, you know, underneath pass and try to dare them to, to pass underneath. It kind of really made it difficult with all that pressure. So it's going to be, you know, a lot of quick hits and all that yak yards, you know. And then yeah, uh-huh. also wanted to touch, and then I'll kind of go back and forth with you a little bit. Um, you, you talked about the, the scheme of having K.J. Wright, also, quick Kwiatkowski out there, some Perriman. If you can kind of, you know, elaborate and educate us all on, you know, the differences on why they would put a Kwiatkowski out there or a Perriman or a K.J. Wright, you know, in that linebacker corp. That linebacker corp core is so dynamic. I think they have so many talents and they can create so many advantages for their speed or their run defense. I'm just interested to see, you know, pick the mind of how what Bradley's actually bringing to the game. Yeah, well, I think um, a couple of things. Number one, you know, you're only in base defense, man, maybe 28, 30% of the time. So the three linebackers uh, out on the field together, that's not going to happen a whole lot. So right now, I mean, Denzel Perryman is playing really, really well. Uh, Corey Littleton, I think, is a better uh, pass defender uh, than K.J. Wright is right now. You look at uh, where they are body-wise and physical-wise, uh, Corey Littleton's more like a bigger safety, um, whereas K.J. Wright's a flat-out linebacker. So I'm wondering if that was the matchup that they were looking at uh, and just understanding that you know maybe Miami's going to throw the ball a little bit more or spread it out a little bit more. And as a result, you needed a more fleet-footed um, Corey Littleton rather than uh, you know, and a little bit less of K.J. Wright. That can change, but you're right. There are a lot, there's a lot of versatility among these linebackers. You've got Corey Littleton, who's now uh, doing a much better job than he was last year in his run fits. He's doing a much better job kind of bouncing back uh, into a guy that is, is you know, uh, solid against the, against, uh, the pass. 
Um, he was always one of the better pa uh, pass coverage linebackers in the NFL with the Rams. He's kind of bounced back to that level. Uh, again, Perryman's doing it all. Perryman's a guy that's like Gus Bradley was just talking about, someone that gets the defense lined up, understands the concepts, understands where everybody's supposed to be, uh, is a heat-seeking missile in the run, uh, is pretty darn good against the pass and somebody that's reliable. Um, so he's just having a fabulous year. Not the worst thing in the world at this point to have Nick Wachowski as your fourth linebacker. That's not a bad situation whatsoever. He graded out pretty well in his first year with the, with the Raiders. Did have a concussion earlier this year. That knocked him out of a game, so he's kind of battling his way back. But when the matchup is favorable for a Nick Kwiatkowski, he's not a bad option uh, behind uh, Denzel Perryman. So, and then you've got Divine Diablo, who's kind of working his way uh, into things as a rookie. J Javin White, at some point, is going to come off the injured reserve list. We'll see if there's room for him and where there's room for him. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily count too, too much on Nicholas Morrow coming back. It seems like that might be a little bit more of an extended type of situation, so we'll, we'll see where all that is headed. But there's no doubt that the Raiders and Mike Mayock in particular and that scouting department, that pro personnel department, I should say, um, really hit it big with their late training camp linebacker acquisitions uh, and then also in the secondary being able to bring in a Denzel or excuse me, a Casey Hayward uh, on a one-year deal who's playing just lights out football and I'm the, 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 the second-ranked cornerback in the NFL. And on top of that, being able to get Nate Hobbs in the fifth round, who, by the way, right now is the eighth-ranked cornerback in the NFL by Pro Football Focus. And what's important about that, A, he's a rookie, so uh, you, know, you're, you, you pray that you can get adequate performance from your rookies when you have to start them, uh, let alone like elite-level play, which is what he's been playing at through the first three games of the year. I know it's a small sample size, um, but in the only sample size that we have to go on, Nate Hobbs has been basically a revelation, just a great young player who is getting better by the day. And also, not only is he playing a difficult position at, in the slot, which is his own little world uh, down there where you have to be tough against the run, you have to know how to run fit, uh, you're going to be activated in the, uh, in the blitz game, you got to cover a wide variety of weapons uh, in that part of the field. Um, and not only is he handling that really well and just has been a, a, a huge surprise and a huge asset to the Raiders, he's also covered up what was a black hole. Not literally, not figuratively, literally. The Raiders were horrible in the slot uh, the last few years. Well, he's come in and solidified that in short order, uh, and it's just been, um, for the Raiders, just something that they are extremely pleased with. Uh, and, and obviously it shows because his defense is playing much better than it has uh, in the past and certainly uh, much better than it did last year. We're going to go out to the Raider Nation guest line. Welcome in a good friend of mine uh, from Los Angeles, and he covers uh, the Chargers for the Los Angeles uh, uh, Times. And uh, I'm talking about Jeff Miller from the L.A. Times. Jeff, how are you doing? Thank you for spending some time with us in the huddle. Uh, Vinny, I'm doing great, and I'm glad we're talking. I was I was concerned that this uh, Raider Charger week was going to come and go, and we weren't going to talk. So I'm I'm glad that we're catching up. I'm same same here, and that was not going to happen. So uh, we made sure of that, uh, and here we are talking on a Friday before uh, what is shaping up, Jeff, as a pretty darn big football game 
uh, on Monday night. It's been years since the Chargers and the Raiders uh, were both good football teams when they played each other. Let's just throw it out there. Most of that uh, has been on the Raiders' inability to be a good team, but it seems like when they were a good team, then the Chargers weren't a good team. So uh, go figure it. But they are both good football teams. I think it's safe to say that uh, three games into the season. Um, A, what are you expecting uh, on Monday night in an old AFC divisional rival uh, matchup? I'm expecting this to be a good game. I, I really uh, am looking forward to it. I think uh, prime time and all that, it's set up to be uh, just a great atmosphere. You know, there's going to be a ton of Charger uh, fans, a ton of Raiders fans at that place on Monday. It'll, when the Chargers played the Cowboys, it was about 50-50, maybe a little more in favor of the Cowboys. It was, and players on both teams just talked about what a great atmosphere it was. So I think my guess will be Raiders fans will probably – have a little more of a presence than that. And I think it's going to be a great atmosphere, though. And I think it'll be a really good game. But both these teams are playing well, and I don't think there's any reason to expect this to be anything other than a good, tight game. And like most of these Charger games, they usually go down to the end. So I think this will be the same way. Ironically, so are the Raiders. Two overtime games and uh, (laughs) a close one in Pittsburgh. Uh, So they both like to play dangerously, yet they're both – uh, well, their their heads are well above water, uh, in spite of all that. Uh, Jeff, I look when I look at the Chargers, I see that they're giving up you know about 170 yards per game uh, on the ground, worse than the NFL. And uh, normally that would be like a red flag, but it seems like they've been able to survive that. And a caller just a little bit earlier brought up the fact that is it almost by design? Are they almost daring teams to run as they take away the pass, which their pass defense is pretty darn good. Uh, I think that person may have nailed it pretty, or got pretty close to the reality of it here is, especially last week against Kansas City, they basically, you know, wanted to keep Mahomes in check and just said, run the ball. And we're, we're not going to give you the deep stuff. We're not going to have, you know, get, let Mahomes get loose and throw these 70 yard passes and do all this crazy stuff. And it worked. And I think they've, they've kind of done that the first three weeks where as bad as those defensive, uh, the rushing stats look and they, they would love that to be a lower number and not to be last in the league at it. They'll, they'll take the trade-off of limiting um, these offenses that they face uh, to you know, trying to limit the big plays and, and make these teams move the ball down the field. They did that you know, with, the, with the Cowboys, where the Cowboys had you know, stretches of that game, controlled the game, but they forced them to move the ball down the field. They didn't give up big plays. And uh, it, it, so far, it's been effective. And I think they'll probably do the same thing. You look at the Raiders, and you, you, know, you guys there know how, how dynamic their passing attack has been. So I, I think they'll try to do the same kind of formula, uh, maybe not the exact same way. Obviously, Mahomes and Derek Carr are different quarterbacks. But I think that's going to be a similar strategy to what they'll, they'll try to do Monday. So it is a little bit by design, yes. You know, it's, it's interesting because uh, you know, the Chargers bring in Brandon Staley as the head coach. He's a defensive-minded head coach. Um, the former defensive coordinator, uh, Gus Bradley, is now in Los Angeles. They, they do things different schematically. So it was, you know, in, in a lot of ways, a massive change from what Gus Bradley was doing defensively uh, to what Brandon Staley and his staff uh, are doing uh, defensively. But I guess it sure helps when you're going to do that and make a drastic change like that to have really good football players that are executing. It's one thing to make a change like that when you have, you know, just okay players. But it seems like they have some dynamic defensive players that have, in quick and short order, adapted to what Staley's doing. 
Uh, that's exactly right, and uh, it starts with with uh, Derwin James, the safety. There's no doubt about that. He he's the star of the defense. As we we said here, I mean, he's the you know, he's the Justin Herbert of the defense. He's that important. He's back there controlling stuff. You know, as long as he can play in that deep part of the field, especially, he's very effective back there in, in getting everybody set up, and it allows him to to kind of roam around and do his thing. And and it, it, you know, this Staley is. Uh, I mean, he's he's kind of a next level guy. He's a different cat. Or he's wired different. He 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 is a next level thinking kind of guy. And he has been he's come in here and is a great teacher. Has brought this defense along uh, in pretty quick order. And these guys have bought in and they're seeing the results. I mean, we we talked to Keenan Allen today and just and talking about some of the confidence and some of the stuff that they're doing on offense. And he said basically what we're seeing is. What Staley is telling us is happening on the field. He's telling us this is what we're going to do. This is what's going to happen, and we're seeing it happen right before our eyes. And he said, you know, basically, if that doesn't get, give you confidence in a coach and a coaching staff, nothing will. So, uh, you know, this guy's made an enormous difference, and uh, you, you see it on the field. It's, it's been fun to watch the first three weeks. You know, what's funny about that is uh, when when, I, when when Sean McVay hired Brandon Staley to be his defensive coordinator. Uh, I was covering the Raiders, but I remember talking to some of, some of my you know Rams people, uh, and they basically told him, Sean, listen, go find the defensive version of you. Take your time, take as long as you need, but go find the Sean McVay of defense. And in typical Sean McVay fashion, that's exactly what he did. He brings in this brainiac, high energy, uh, like you said, extremely smart, um, you know, uh, young defensive assistant and Brandon Staley and away they went and away the Chargers are going and the thing that that strikes me about both of those guys is they're they are very smart but they're able to explain things in a way that's easily digestible are players talking at all about that as next level as it is the the ability to break it down in a not so next level way has got to be the key in that situation that is 100% right they throughout training camp they a lot of players talked about that. We've all, all of us here have written versions of that story where he, he's just a really good teacher. And it, it, with him, it goes back to his parents. Both his parents were teachers uh, as when they started out in their careers. And then his mother stayed in teaching. His dad went in a different direction because basically he had needed to make more money, uh, to be frank, yeah. uh, with, once they started to have a family. And, but mom stayed in teaching and... He, he said it before, you know, his mother is one of his heroes. He, she was a great teacher. This guy, if he wanted to be the world's greatest, you know, eighth grade science teacher, he could probably be that. Because he, he is so passionate. Vinny, it's funny, when you talk to him, you talk to him about teaching, he gets emotional. Yeah. Like his eyes start to well up and he gets really into it. And he's like, you know, he gets into it the way that most coaches get into X's and O's and he gets into that too. But teaching is so important to this guy. And he's so good at it, and the players, as you suggested, have all said. So many of them have said, "Yeah, this. Yeah, we we've never learned this way. Like he teaches different." And and you said it exactly right. Where it, it's complicated, maybe, but he doesn't present it in a complicated way at all, and they're able to grasp it. And and so far, it's worked out really well. 
I wish my calculus teacher in high school would have been able to do that because because <laughs> I didn't get any of that, man. I'll tell you that right now. Talking to Jeff Miller from the Los Angeles Times, he covers the Chargers for the Times. You could follow him at Jeff Miller, Jeff, Jeff Miller, L A T. Uh, all right. So on the other side of the ball, um, you've got uh, a coach Lombardi. First of all, which if that doesn't get you excited, I don't know what will. If you're a football fan, yes. Um, you know, and all of a sudden, you know, he comes to a great situation, obviously, with a ton of talent, um, Mike Williams, uh, Keenan Allen, uh, Austin Eckler, and then, of course, uh, the quarterback, Justin Herbert. And here's what I wanted to ask you, Jeff. Um, you know, I, I've, I've been a uh, Justin Herbert believer ever since I saw him down in the, the uh, Senior Bowl in, in Mobile, Alabama, coming off a great year that he had uh, at the University of Oregon. I was like, why isn't this guy being talked about as the number one quarterback? Uh, but on top of that, at, at, you know, as you went through his year last year, I was thinking to myself, okay, there's no fans uh, at any place that he's playing right now. It's got to be a little bit easier as a rookie quarterback to come in here and not have to deal with that element. So I'm kind of wondering, you know, what he's going to do when fa- actual fans are in the stands. Well, gosh darn it, it looks like he's passing that test with flying colors uh, as well. Was there ever any kind of concern about that, and how surprised is Los Angeles and, and, and you know, the guys that cover it um, about how good this guy is so early in his career? Yeah, to take that, that last part first, the, only, the surprising thing is he really has not had just a clunker of a game. Right. You know, he, had, he hasn't had that one game where you're just like, wow, you know, three interceptions and, you know, what was he thinking on these three plays? Or, you know, just he has not had... He, you know, he's had a couple of series, you know, here and there, not great, but like he really has not had just a total clunker where they lose because he just doesn't play very well. Uh, so we're, we're kind of waiting. I don't know if that's ever going to happen. At some point, it has to, right? You think you would, um, but so far, yeah, it hasn't. And you know, on the outside, you know, sophomore slump and all that stuff was a popular suggestion, and people thought, you know, it made some sense. Sure, you know they. You know, teams have now had a season of him to, to get ready and all that stuff. And there's been zero regression. There's been no hint of of him, you know, being anything but as good or better than he was last year. You mentioned the crowd thing. You know, Kansas City, you, you've been to that place. Yes. You know how loud that is. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're going crazy at the end of that game. And he's up at the line of scrimmage, changing plays, switching out of a run and you know, going to a pass play on the winning, you know, touchdown in the last minute of the, you know, then throws a perfect pass to Mike Williams. They win in the last 32 seconds. And, you know, it, it, he's just been, you know, four touchdowns in that game. That was his fourth one. And he's, he is really, you know, he, he, I, I don't know if anybody could have expected this out of him. It, it, at Oregon, from what I understand, they really put the clamps on. On him there, they didn't. They didn't really turn him loose, which I'm not sure what that says about the coaches there. Maybe right. I don't know. They just had a different approach, apparently. But I mean, this guy is just—he is—he's—he's he's everything he was last year and more. And, and like I said, we're—it's it, kind of like all last year. We kept waiting for that clunker, and we're still waiting. And it's, you know, it's 18 games in now, and he—he he hasn't shown any signs of that anything that he's anything other than exactly what we're seeing, which is on his way to becoming one of the best quarterbacks in the league, no question. Completely agree. And you mentioned Mike Williams, um, and, I, and I 
saw, you know, just what he's doing this year. Talked to Gus Bradley about it and what he was able to uh, pick up and see when he when his defense was working against Mike Williams. And he always felt like it's coming. He keeps getting better. It's coming. And now they're using him in a little bit different ways. Uh, not just the 50-50 ball guy anymore. Uh, a guy that uh, is, is just growing up uh, before our very eyes. And very interestingly, this is the last year of his contract. Uh, and so great timing on his part to really emerge uh, as what he's become this year. Uh, any thought yet on, on where that might all be headed in terms of Mike Williams and his long-range future uh, in Los Angeles? And does he keep this up? Does he keep this pace up? Yeah, he, uh, he's going to make a lot of money. If he does. <laughs> a lot of money. He's, he's going to be a very, very well-paid uh, wide receiver here in another year, this time next year, if he keeps this up. I, I think the only thing would be injuries, yeah. which you know, Mike's had a little bit of issues with that. Not, not, you know, I'm not going to say he's injury-prone, but just the way he plays, he kind of gets his body in some tough spots sometimes and takes some hits. Uh, but he... Yeah, what they've done is they they're basically using him the same way that the Saints use Michael Thomas. They put him in that X receiver spot where he he just works on that short side of the field, typically where there's not a lot of room, and, and he's just able to use his body. and And he he's been fantastic. And it, it it's kind of like I said about the Oregon coaching staff. It kind of makes you wonder the previous coaching staff here. What were they doing? Like, why did they not use this guy like this? And you mentioned the 50-50 balls. We saw a lot of that. What we didn't see a lot of was the short passes and the quick little stuff where they get it to him and let him make a move, make a guy miss. And he can do all that stuff. And a lot of us, you know, we didn't know if he could do that. Frankly, he didn't, he didn't get a chance to do much of it. But now he is. And, um, he, you know, he, he's off to a great start. He's on his way to, you know, pro bowl, all pro type numbers. And we'll see at the end of this if he keeps this up and, and finishes on a pace even close to this, he's going to be making a lot of money. And these guys are going to have to make a decision. That, you know, They've got some big money tied in some other guys and some other guys coming. So they're going to have to make a decision. Someone's going to pay him a lot of money if he keeps this up, no doubt. By the way, when you uh, talk about the Oregon coaching staff, um, that uh, strikes a chord here in Las Vegas because the current head coach of UNLV, Marcus Arroyo, was the offensive oh, yeah. coordinator? <laughs> at, <laughs> That's right. I forgot at, about that. Yes. Well, they don't. They haven't forgotten that here in Las Vegas. I can assure you, <laughs> um, because that was that. That's always a constant. Like, how did that happen? Like, how you know? How did he not win the Heisman? He was the best quarterback. I mean, Burrow had a great year too, so you can't take anything away from him. But yes, it's been noticed uh, how what was going on at Oregon when, when, uh, when Justin was there and, and Marcus was the offensive coordinator. But that's all I'm going to say about that, Jeff. Um, <laughs> just know that it, I'm glad that, we're able to tie this all together like I knew what I was doing when I mentioned the Oregon coaching. <laughs> it, it, was, it, was, it was in my ear and it was like just buzzing <laughs> off right there because it's a constant um, you know, uh, a point of uh, conversation, let's just say that, um, here in Las Vegas. Uh, Jeff, okay, last question for you, my friend. Um, the Chargers are now in year four, I think it is. Yeah, four uh, in Los Angeles. Um, it's been, you know, tough sledding for the Chargers to create their identity uh, and their niche in a very crowded uh, sports scene uh, in L.A. Um, as you look at it and as you observe it now uh, four years in, are they making any headway in Los Angeles? They are. It's definitely a different vibe here than what you and what, you know. Last time you were around here, you would have noticed. Uh, and a lot of it, I think, is, is Justin Herbert. 
there's 10 jerseys all over the place. Number 10 jerseys is, is jersey number. You see them all over. It, they have made, uh, there's no question they made some headway, and I, and I think a lot of it is him. And you look at, you know, they haven't made the playoffs the last couple of years and had, you know, had a terrible record last year, two years ago, and ended up rallying to win seven games last year, but never were really in it. They were out of it early. So there's been nothing to get excited about in terms of what the team has been doing on the field, you know, winning and losing. But there's a, you know, everything to be excited about about their quarterback. And you know, LA, it's a star town. Yep. People love the stars here. And this, this guy is a star. And he, you know, he's a star on the field, off the field. He's got kind of a little of that, you know, goofy personality that can come out. And I think it's something that his, his career continues. He could kind of be in that, you know, Peyton Manning mold where he sort of is that, you know, kind of goofy off the wall guy that you can use in a commercial stuff. You know, I could see him doing those things eventually. And so I, I, they have, I, I think, you know, I think, that, you know, there's, it's still, they're, they're still not, uh, you know, the Dodgers or Lakers, and but nobody is in this, this town either other than those two teams. So they still got a lot of work to do. And, and like I said, there's going to be a lot of Raider fans at that game on, on Monday night, but, but they have, I mean, they're, they're, they're piecing it together, but it's a, it's it's a long term uh, project over here, and so and and they you know for them and the Rams, both those teams are just kind of fighting the same battle in a lot of ways, just because it's such a crowded market here. Yeah, without question, Jeff. Thank you so much for spending some time with us in the huddle. Really appreciate it. Can't wait to see you uh, on Monday in Los Angeles. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Enjoy watching some NFL uh, on Sunday, uh, and I'll see you out at SoFi Stadium on Monday, brother. That sounds great, dude. I can't wait. Yep, likewise. That's Jeff Miller from the Los Angeles Times. He covers the Chargers for the L.A. Times. He will be at SoFi Stadium for what is shaping up as a huge, I'm calling it, man. It's a huge game, and it's a huge divisional game against two old rivals. The Raiders going to Los Angeles to play the Chargers. I can't wait. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador. We're live at the Treasure Island uh, at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar, so come on by if you're on the Strip. Uh, it's getting packed here. Uh, a lot of fans, a lot of sports on television, obviously. Uh, got some great food and some great drinks, so come on by and join us. We'll talk to you on the other side. You're listening to Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Now, back to your host, Vinny Bonsignor. It's good catching up to uh, my good friend Jeff Miller, who covers the Chargers for the Los Angeles Times. And, uh, you know, the more I analyze this Chargers team, um, it's a good football team, flat out. Anytime you got a quarterback, John Gruden talks about this all the time. Last time I, I, I spoke to him, he's like, look, when you got a quarterback, this is what he felt like when he came in uh, to coach the Raiders uh, in 2018 and had Derek Carr. And he was telling me, I was a Carr fan. I feel like when you have a quarterback, you got a chance. Um, and then you start putting players around him and try to rebuild around or build around your quarterback. But if you have a quarterback, you got a chance. Well, guess what? The Chargers have a quarterback, and I don't. Know, I think it's 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 only a matter of time before he's one of the top five, six quarterbacks in the NFL, flat out. Uh, and there's just some tremendous young quarterbacks in the NFL, which is saying something. Uh, if you if you're not if you couldn't see what Joe Burrow was all about last night. I know it was against the Jacksonville Jaguars. People were throwing that at my face last night on Twitter. But it's also the Cincinnati Bengals, and they're in the middle of a rebuild themselves. If Joe Burrow is going to be a stud, Justin Herbert is going to be a stud. He's going to be a problem in the AFC West for many, many years. Uh, Derek Carr, to me, is um, as good as it gets right now. Uh, to me, he's definitely within the top ten 
uh, NFL quarterbacks, probably about seven right now or eight. Uh, on any, and on any given Sunday, he could play like a top-five quarterback. The Raiders have what they need uh, at quarterback in Derek Carr. It's just a, you know, uh, a continuing process of making sure the players around him are sufficient, rebuilding that defense as they have, uh, giving him plenty of weapons. To me, the Raiders have as good a weaponry in the NFL flat out. Uh, when you're talking about Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards and Hunter Renfro, um, you know, and obviously Darren Waller, uh, it looks like Josh Jacobs is probably going to give it a go on Monday. When he's right, he's one of the better running backs in the NFL. Um, now get need to get that offensive line squared away, uh, but you know the Raiders believe that they have uh, the necessary pieces and hopefully get a Richie Incognito back at some point uh, to make that happen. Um, but when you talk about Justin Herbert, and you talk about what he's going to mean to that team, the Chargers, for many years to come. It's a daunting thought for, for, for everyone else in the division, including the Raiders. He's that good, and I think he's going to show that on Monday night. I do believe the Raiders are going to win this game, but uh, I'm sensing a bit of a shootout uh, on Monday in Los Angeles, So, and I can't wait. You're in the huddle with Vinny Monsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador. We're live at the Treasure Island Hotel uh, and Casino here at the Golden Circle Sportsbook uh, Great scene here. Lots of sports uh, on already on television. Got some college football, Houston versus Tulsa. Uh, got the Yankees playing. Got the Red Sox playing. Uh, it's a great night for sports, so come join us uh, at the Golden Circle Sportsbook here at the Treasure Island Hotel. You're listening to Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m. on a Friday.